and welcome to the Ryan Waldis Sports Podcast. This is Ryan. It is July 5th, 2018. As I said in the podcast yesterday, today we would feature the second half of our discussion with my good friend Nick Halper. Yesterday we talked about the NFL for a very long time, and today we are going to be talking both about Major League Baseball and the World Cup. The quarterfinals are this weekend. Definitely looking forward to that. Some very exciting news, as I said yesterday. You can now find the Ryan Wallace Sports Podcast on a multitude of different services that include Anchor, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and more. Just be sure to go to my Anchor page, anchor.fm slash Ryan Waldis Sports Podcast. You can see all of the available services that currently carry my podcast, and we're going to hope to get it on some even more services pretty soon. You can also follow me on social media at Ryan Waldis to connect with me and visit my website at RyanWaldis.com. So without further ado, here's part two of my discussion with my good friend Nick Halper. I hope you enjoy. That was a nice discussion we just had about some NFL topics. David Carr, a little bit of rookie quarterback analysis, but we are going to move on now to baseball. I'm going to use this pun again. The season's in full swing. They just passed the the halfway point. It is now uh, July 4th, which is a fun day for baseball. It's always nice to that's, – that's my tradition, just watching baseball on the 4th of July. Nothing better. Uh, it's, it's, it's kind of the time when you start to figure out what teams – are actually going to be good this year and, and what teams are are kind of out of it. So you take a look at the at the regular season standings. Right now your division leaders, Boston, Cleveland, Houston, Atlanta, Milwaukee, Arizona. A couple surprises in there, but for the most part, it's uh it's not too bad. You look in the AL East, the Yankees are currently one game out. Uh, the Indians, they have they're gonna run away with that. They'll probably clinch that division by, I'd say, at some point in early August. Um Mariners are only half a game back at the Astros. That's another big surprise. Phillies three and a half back. The Cubs half a game back, and the Dodgers one and a half back. And then the the wild card races, not necessarily in the American League, but the National League, the wild card races is pretty interesting. That should come down to the the final week or so of the of the regular season. But we are getting close to the trade deadline. It is now less than a month away, just a few weeks. So, Nick, I want to talk with you some baseball, look at these teams that are most likely contenders by this point in the year, and maybe just see where they could use some help if they decide to to utilize the, the trade market. So we're going to start in the AL East with the, the Boston Red Sox. Currently, they sit at 57 and 29. Uh, you look at their roster. I know some people have said that maybe they could use a catcher if they want to get more offense in the lineup. I disagree. Uh, I think that Vasquez and Leon are are fine. I think that that's a nice defensive uh, duo that they have behind the plate. If anything, I'd say you maybe if you're the Red Sox, you go for a starting pitcher to put in that rotation. Uh, if not a starting pitcher, maybe just another bullpen piece. I think would really help them out as they try to to pull away from the Yankees here. Yeah. So Ryan, the other day uh, on Monmouth University Airwaves, did my show um, with my brother uh, Sundays eleven to one, and we talked about. Who were the contenders and who were the pretenders? And for the American League representative, I said the Boston Red Sox. And I kind of agree with you, Ryan. I don't see many holes on this baseball team. You have a good starting lineup when it comes to the guys that you're going to plug in one through nine. I don't see any defensive holes really out there that are going to make or break you know, a series. And the starting pitching led by Chris Sale, I mean, it's just phenomenal on what this guy is able to do on a night-in and night-out basis on the pitching mound. I think that outside of the Astros, they are the team to beat in the American League. I don't know if they're going to show up in the postseason like they are right now in the regular season, but they're the team that I would say, out of all the teams in the American League, not named the Astros, they should have just as much confidence. You look at their lineup right now, it's, it's pretty insane. So Mookie Betts is having an MVP caliber year. I'd say almost any other year he'd be a shoe in to win it. He'd be running away with it. But unfortunately, there's this guy that plays on a team in the AL West that is going to take it away from him, and rightfully so, but Mookie Betts having a phenomenal year. His OPS is above 1,001.108. He has 21 home runs, 42 RBIs. He's converted on 15 of his 17 stolen base attempts. He's walked more than he struck out. He's slashing 337, 430, 679. And then you back that up with J.D. Martinez, who is also OPSing over 1,000. He's also hitting... Uh, above 300 his on-base percentage close to 400 he leads the team with 25 home runs and then you have nice pieces behind him in that lineup and guys like Mitch Moreland Andrew Benintendi Xander Bogarts who turned it around Brock Holt who has played in 51 games 
Uh, Raphael Devers, he's he's kind of getting there right now. His OPS is now at 723. So the the lineup is fine, but yeah, I agree. You look at the the pitching staff. Sale uh, at 29 years old right now is pitching out of his mind. He's striking out close to 13 guys per nine innings. He has a 2.41 ERA. I think Rick Porcello is, you know, he's he's bounced back. I'll give him that. Uh, I want to point out that Rick Porcello has won a Cy Young Award in his career. So Rick Cy Young Porcello has won a Cy Young Award in his career. I just want to make that known. David Price uh, looked like he was on the right track, but uh, he struggled, especially against the Yankees. Eduardo Rodriguez, I think, is a solid back-end piece, but I think definitely if you can add maybe another back-end starter, uh, it would help. Bullpen's fine. Kimbrell has been elite this year. Um, no surprise. Hector Velasquez has been solid, as has Matt Barnes. So it's I, you know, I agree with you. you. Look at the Red Sox. There's not a there's not a ton of holes on this team. I think they're. I'm sure Matt DeLuca, um, who's the friend we keep referencing, would agree. That this team, they're they 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 have a good shot to to represent the American League. You look at their rival right now, the New York Yankees. They are 54 and 28 as we record this. They are one game back of the Red Sox, but they are one and a half up in the in the wild card race. They are four and six right now in their last ten. Uh, I think obviously their offense is is more than okay. Uh, their their main need and Nick, we talked about this all the way back in March. Uh, is pitching. They they really need pitching if they want to try to make a run, not only at the division, but if they want to make a run uh, in the in the postseason. Yeah, Ryan. And, you know, the one thing that we had talked about was you can score all these runs if you know that's the case with the Yankees by getting Stanton and having all these young guys come up and hit bombs. But at the same time, you also be have to be able to keep the other team from scoring a lot of runs, and that was a question mark for the Yankees. And just looking back at last year, you see these two teams that each won over 90 games. And I want to kind of reference right now that the Red Sox kind of already had the pitching in place. They add a bat in J.D. Martinez, who's leading the uh, all of Major League Baseball in home runs and RBI right now. And then on the Yankees' perspective, they didn't really get, outside of Lee Severino, that other pitcher to kind of do what they need to do because one batter can make a big difference. One pitcher can't because that guy's only going to get to go out one night. The batter is going to get multiple opportunities throughout multiple games, and he's going to be able to make or break a series. And I think right now all the Yankee fans are kind of sitting in la and like, oh, we're so good, and we have this and we have that. And I would just sit there and say, listen, guys, as much as you've done for this year, as much as you've done for the past, I would say, over 200 games, that's great. But after Severino, do you really feel comfortable at CC Sabathia at this age? Do you really feel comfortable at Mercier Tanaka at this age? Are you going to sit there and tell me that after all of the bad games that he's had, Sonny Gray is a viable option in the postseason? Come on. I don't care how many home runs that Judge and Stanton and Sanchez can hit. It's not going to make up for Sonny Gray going – two and a third innings and giving up nine runs. Not going to make or break that. You're not going to be able to change that. I don't know where they go. I don't think anyone's going to want to trade for them. I still think everyone's pissed about the Stanton trade. So how do you get better from here if you're the Yankees? It's it's really Severino, uh, as you said, and, and then everybody else. Sabathia, his ERA is at 3.02, but I, I'm a big peripherals guy when it comes to baseball. His FIP is 4.06, so it, it suggests that he's gotten a little lucky this year. And there's obviously more that goes into that. But, yeah, I don't know what happened to, to Sonny Gray. Uh, I thought that a change of scenery would have helped. Uh, it did not help, so I think now he needs another change of scenery at the age of 28. Uh, it, you look at Tanaka. Before he went on the disabled list, he wasn't entirely effective. His FIP was uh, a few ticks under five. Uh, it's it, it's a shame because there was a time when he was a very solid pitcher, but now at this point it, it seems like he's, he's not ultra-reliable. Uh, they had a guy, a rookie, come up by the name of Jonathan Lewisaga who – uh, I was, it was neat to learn. He was in class A to begin the year. And now he's in the major leagues and he's done very well, but he started four games. So you, you, I want to wait to see how batters uh, sort of adjust to him as he gets more starts uh, under his belt. Jordan Montgomery was doing okay in his six starts, but then he hit the disabled list. But I agree. Uh, I, I would love to be able to throw out Luis Severino um, to be my ace in the postseason. But then after that, it's, I don't know, it's tough for me to rely on throwing CeCe out there in game two. I can't throw Sonny out there in game two. So it's nice to have an ace, but you got to have people behind them. And Nick, as you said, it's they don't really have that. They have the nice bullpen pieces. They have. I mean, we saw Bumgarner blow up for the Giants, but it's not like you didn't have a reliable player behind him in Matt Kane. It's not like he was awful. You had a guy that you go out there, hey, you know, win your game. You go through Sonny Gray, and you're like, mm, whatever it is, 
at the end of the day, they get the W and the other team doesn't. And if they continue to do that in the postseason, they're going to be one of the most dangerous teams because no one saw this coming. They're playing with all the confidence in the world. They've got nothing to lose right now. Yeah, so the American League is is pretty much set. We kind of know the the five teams that are going to be in the playoffs, which is it's not really what you want if you're the league, I guess. I mean, you have all these really good teams, but you'd like maybe something interesting to happen down the line. But at this point, you know Boston, New York, Cleveland, Houston, Seattle. You'd write them in right now. They're going to be in the playoffs. Uh, it's just a matter of what their final finishing order is, who has to play in the stupid wild card game, uh, and you go from there. Moving on to the National League, though, this this is the interesting league this year. This is where a lot of the, the battles are going to come down to the final week or two of the regular season. We're going to start in the NL East. With the Atlanta Braves, who are 49-34, and 34, and I said this on the podcast yesterday, I was dead wrong about the Braves. I was saying at the beginning of this year, yeah, just give them another season, and I think that they're going to take that next step. But they took that step this year, and they have been phenomenal. They've been led by Freddie Freeman and Nick Markakis. Uh, Markakis, of course, 34 years of age right now. Freeman only 28. Ozzie Albies, 21 years old. Ronald Acuna Jr. at 20. So they've been led by both young and old. The pitching staff has received nice... Uh, nice contributions from both Sean Newcomb, the 25-year-old, and Mike fulton the 26-year-old. Um, even Anibal Sanchez, in his in his limited time, has contributed. He's pitched to a 2.89 ERA in nine-game start, which I don't think anybody was expecting. They've dealt with injuries for sure, but I think, uh, if anything, this team could use you know maybe a, a bat somewhere, especially on the, on the left side of the infield, and if not that, just maybe add another bullpen piece or another starter to replace a guy like a Brandon McCarthy or even a Julio Tehran. Once Stanton got traded from the Marlins, Ryan, we just kind of sat there and said, I wonder which team's going to finish last between the Marlins and the Braves. It's it's, it's definitely going to be one of those two. There's no way any of these other teams are going to have any struggles whatsoever. Maybe the Mets kind of hit a little bump, but it's definitely going to be one of those two teams sitting at the bottom of the totem pole. And here we sit looking at the Marlins – all the way down there at the bottom, but the Braves are not next to them in the standings. They're on top. They're ahead of the Phillies by three and a half games. They're ahead of the Nationals by seven games. Who would have thought? I mean, this is an incredible story no matter which way you look at it, and now the Braves are kind of turning into the Yankees of last year to where, hey, we're just enjoying these good games and we're playing well, to now all of a sudden it's like, oh, crap. We got to go play for playoffs now. We're almost, you know, to the all-star break. We got to go. We can't be sitting around here and, and thinking to ourselves, oh, maybe if this happens. No, no, you are way past that point now. The time for learning and the time for experience is unfortunately over for them. They just beat the team that everyone thought was supposed to be the, you know, the next greatest thing, the, the Smash Bros 2.0 or whatever you wanted to call it, 5-3 over the Yankees in New York. I mean, if this Braves team is going to continue to play like they are, they're going to have to go get somebody. But at the same time, what do you go give up? Are you sure you want to go do that? You've been holding on to these guys for quite some time. You had that scandal where you know you lost some people. But at the end of the day, you're sitting in a great position right now because these young guys are going to experience. They're going to feel the pressure. And the one thing that Atlanta has to deal, the one thing Atlanta doesn't have to deal with that New York does is that New York cannot fail. It's okay if Atlanta comes up short this year because no one expected them to be in this position. I just hope that front office and, and management does the right thing, puts the guys in a position to win, doesn't really gut the team to go get a guy, and have fun. They're having fun right now. They're almost 50 wins right now. If they keep up with this attitude, I think they're going to go into the playoffs with a great mindset, and things could be good for them. They might make the World Series. Who knows? Anything can happen. We didn't think they'd get to this. We didn't think they'd get this many wins at this point of the year, and here they are, only one win away from having the most wins in the National League. Uh, the team they've been battling with for, for most of the season, the team that they've played very well against uh, so far this year, is the Philadelphia Phillies. They sit at 45-37, and 37, three and a half games back. You look at the Phillies, uh, I think offensively, you definitely need a kick somewhere. Uh, it's I don't know where it would be. Scott Kingery is the guy that they gave that extension to without ever having stepped foot on a major league field. He's had a very rough go of it in his rookie season. J.P. Crawford had a, is having a very rough go of it. Michael Franco isn't anything to write home about. Aaron Altair should not be starting in the major leagues. Nick Williams, I think, is best served as a bench bat. You know, a lot of these guys are getting regular playing time. So I think if you're the Phillies, you need to find some way to to get a bat in there if you want to have a chance at keeping this run going. The bullpen has been 
Um, very inconsistent this year. There's times when they go out there, they give you four, five, six innings of scoreless ball. There's times when they go out there and you get Hector Nares, who uh, was has pitched to a 6.90 ERA this year. He's been sent down twice already. I think the rotation's fine. Some people are saying that uh, I saw a report saying that they're they're being linked to Cole Hamels. There's interest there. I don't know why uh, Cole Hamels' peripherals kind of scare me. I don't think that the Phillies need a starting pitcher. I think that they need a bat and they need some bullpen help. And I think if they can get you know at least one of those things, preferably the bullpen help, uh, I think they're going to be in a good position here to keep playing meaningful baseball throughout the end of the season. You look at the Phillies, Ryan, and you being a fan, you know this all too well. I mean, Herrera has been the guy that's been consistent all year, but then you kind of look to the next guy and it's like, who is it? Who's going to be that guy that you're really feeling comfortable about saying, hey, he's going to get the job done. He's going to be the guy that gets someone over the hump. And I know that baseball is a long, grueling game to where there's a lot of at-bats and you're not always going to be playing your best. But you have guys like you mentioned. Scott Kingery, I mean, not being, you know, anyone is playing on a baseball time before, like you got to play a little bit better for, you know, the contract you got, you know, a lot of people had expectations for Reese Hoskins. He's played well, but again, when you kind of get to this point to where you're sitting in a situation to where, Hey, this is, this is doable. We can go win the division. It's not like we're out of it by any means whatsoever. Playoffs are definitely possible. You got to step your game up a little bit. And that's kind of where the bats definitely need to be woken. I don't know how you go about it. I don't know if you sit there and hope maybe Santana brings up that 223 average. I don't know if you sit there and say maybe Franco continues to build up from that 250 average. I don't know what you do. But you you feel good. You, you think things are going well. Make a move. Don't do something that you would regret, and I think that getting Cole Hamels would, would definitely not help whatsoever. I don't think starting pitching is the issue. But who knows? Who knows what they go do? They might not do anything. And maybe the team all of a sudden lights a fire in itself and say, hey, listen, we got this. We can go We can go carry what we have right now. We're feeling good. Or management can go out, bring a guy in, and all of a sudden you have a Cespedes effect. You saw what happened when the Mets got one guy and it completely revolutionized the team's mojo and ability, and they had no batters. The Phillies already have batters. So if you have a batter now to a team that's got some decent batters, maybe that brings everybody else's play up. Who knows if he does like what Cespedes does. But it makes a team so much better instead of getting a starting pitcher that, again, isn't the issue right now. I think uh, I'd be content uh, if they do nothing. Uh, that's a good point that you brought up. I think I'd be fine because they're, this isn't their year. They're not going to contend. I know anything can happen, but as a Phillies fan, I can tell you that it's it's not their year. So I think I'd be fine if they didn't do anything and just stuck with the kids and see how they do. I'd be fine if it was the right deal, but I just don't want them to make a trade just for the sake of, of making one and just jeopardizing everything that we built up for. And I don't think they, they would do something like that. Klintak, he's kind of the GM who he, he usually has the longest view in the room on stuff like this. So I, I, I would hope that if he, he can't find a deal that he likes, he doesn't just try to force it. Uh, he just lets the kids play. But uh, we'll see. I will say it's fun to finally be playing meaningful baseball in July again. It's been a long six years since I've been able to say that, but finally reached that point again. It's nice to see them in the thick of a divisional race. The final team in the NL East who I guess you could say they're still in it. They're 42-41 and 41 right now, but they're seven games back. They're only three and a half back in the wild card is the Washington Nationals. Now the Nationals, I think many predicted we're going to win this division. I'm not going to say fairly easily, but I don't think people thought that at this point in July they'd be a game above 500, seven games back. You, you look at the roster, how it's constructed. Uh, Bryce Harper is hitting just 217, but you look a little further, he has the 365 OBP, the slug percentage close to 500. He has 21 home runs, which is by far the lead on the team. They have three players on the Nationals team that have hit double-digit home runs, and Harper's one of them. But you look at through the rest of the lineup, I think if they could f- somehow get a catcher on this team, I don't know how they're going to do it, but I think catching or the catcher is the, the biggest need because your outfield, I think, is fine. You have Juan Soto and Bryce Harper patrolling it. You'll be fine there. You bring in Mark Reynolds, uh, kind of late um, late start to the season, but he's been a solid bench piece for them. You have Trey Turner, who's going to be one of the best shortstops in all of baseball. Anthony Rendon is kind of broken out of his early season slump. Look at the pitching staff. Scherzer has been elite. Uh, no surprise there. Strasburg, unfortunately, hit the DL again. Helixson has provided quality innings, but you have to wonder how long that's going to last because he hasn't pitched like this since you know he first broke into the league with Tampa Bay. Tanner Roark is a solid back-end piece. Gio is, I guess, a guy you can kind of rely on in the middle of that rotation. They did get some bullpen help. 
They traded for Calvin Herrera from the Kansas City Royals. But I think for the Nationals, catcher has to be the, the number one thing on your priority list, and then after that, maybe maybe a starting pitcher. Yeah, so overall, Ryan, I would say the biggest issue that I have with the Nationals right now, and whether you put age or injuries into effect, is that their two best batters on their team, as of today, are not playing well. You cannot have Ryan Zimmerman and Bryce Harper batting under 220. That is absolutely unacceptable. The amount of talent that Bryce Harper has at his disposal, he should be doing much better than batting 217. And again, for a guy that has batted a lot of injuries, I know he's never played in top-quality baseball, but you got to be giving me more than 33 hits on 115 plate appearances if you're Ryan Zimmerman. You know, and, and some of these guys out there, listen, they're not going to have the best of times. They're, they're not going to have the, the the long, overarching careers that no matter where they go, no matter what they do, it's always, and I mean always, going to be easy for them. But overall, when you got a guy like Harper on your team, a guy that, again, a lot of people are saying is going to command a $400 million contract, that guy's got to. He has got to be playing better than that. It's just It's just something that I don't understand. I'm not really sure why that is. Overall, I think Harper will definitely get the money, probably just because he is who he is. But when you have guys that aren't playing, weren't playing well when they were playing, what do you do? What do you, what do, you do when Zimmerman goes on the DL and you're sitting there and going, oh, he wasn't playing well. To be-. And then Harper continues to not play well. Well, he's still playing. He's not playing well either. I mean, other guys have been playing well, but those are the catalysts. When, when your two biggest guns are going down, what do you do? Can, can, a, can a, uh, a trade solve that? A trade can't solve Strasburg being hurt. A trade can't solve Zimmerman being hurt. A trade can't solve Harper playing better. What do you do? I don't know what to do. I feel bad for sure. I feel bad for Max Scherzer, really. I just feel bad for him. Yeah, for it's. The Nationals window is, I'm not going to say it's closing. I, I will say this, the nice consolation for them, because Harper's definitely going to leave. I don't know where he's going to go, but he's not going to stay there. The nice consolation for that fan base is that Juan Soto, at only 19 years of age, has proven that he can take over for Harper in the outfield. He has been phenomenal uh, in so many instances. Uh, I can say that he's on my fantasy team too, so he's definitely helped out in that regard. But he's just such an entertaining player to watch, and it, he's something that organization needs as they kind of transition from the, the Harper era to, to something else. But yeah, I do feel bad for Scherzer. He kind of signed on to this team thinking that this gave this team gave him the best chance to win a ring. And unfortunately, they've had the talent the past several years. They just can't get it done. And it seems, at least at this point, if you had to you put a gun to my head right now and you asked me, it seems like it's just going to be the same thing again this year. Yeah, no, and I don't see any reason to not believe that. And, and like I said, it, 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 even if he was healthy right now, Zimmerman's average isn't going up any higher than it was because of how bad he had played beforehand. Same thing, you know, Harper's playing right now, and he's not playing well whatsoever. I mean, this team is just not getting it done. And as well as some of these other guys have played and performed and stepped up, you know that the team is going to stay afloat but to take the step to where you become a contender, someone who can actually do damage in the playoffs instead of a team that just happens to get in, that was having those two guys being the big guns that you need. And one of them's hurt. One of them isn't performing. Atlanta and Philadelphia, the two top teams in the NL East. Nobody expected that at the start of the season. Moving now to the National League Central the Milwaukee Brewers are 49 and 35. They are half a game up in the in the division. Right now they've gone 5 and 5 in their last 10 games. You look at how this team is constructed, I think the offense is is okay. The the biggest surprise has obviously been Jesus Aguilar, the the former Indians prospect who was DFA'd. The Indians or the the Brewers picked him up off of waivers and he finally got a chance to prove that he can be an everyday ball player for the first time, and he has taken that and run with it. He's hitting 313, 373, 625. His OPS is just a couple ticks below 1,000, 19 home runs. He leads the team, so I think the offense is fine. They have a couple names there. If anything, they, they definitely do need uh, a top-flight starting pitcher, and I don't know where they're going to get that in this trade market, but it's it's a little weak for something like that, but... If if they want to contend, they, they need one. Right now you're going with a rotation of Julius Chassin, uh, Brent Sutter, Chase Anderson, Junior Guerrero, who to his credit uh, has been has been solid. 
you bring it. You bring up the uh, the rookie in in Freddie Peralta, uh, who has had five really good starts to begin his career. But he's 22 years old. I don't think you can rely on him. So if you're going to do anything, if you're the Brewers, you, you need to find some way to get a really good starting pitcher into that rotation. Is this not the definition of a baseball team? You might not have the superstar power. You might not have the big name brand. But this is a baseball team. This is this is a baseball team. T E a M the word I am emphasizing right now, this, this team and the Milwaukee Brewers goes out there every single day and they play their asses off and they don't need that guy to carry them. They don't need that guy that they rely on. They all know that I'm going to do my job. I'm going to get done when I need to get done. And the guy next to me is going to get his job done. And then the guy after him is going to get his job done. And that's why they've been so sex, so successful all year. They've been doing everything right. And it continues to add on and add on. The addition of Yelich, the addition of Kane have been amazing. You're getting a guy that bats 291 in Kane, 289 in Yelich. Each have around over, what, 70 hits. You're going to get runs produced from these guys, walks, not a ton of strikeouts. And then the team that they already had before that was really good last year. For, 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 for a lot of people that don't know, the Brewers almost won 90 games last year. Almost won 90 games last year. Almost made the playoffs. Yeah. I mean, and now you add two guys that have contributed to winning baseball before. And again, not the biggest names in the world, but still, every little bit counts. Every little bit matters. And that's why they have been so successful. That's why they've put themselves in a great situation. They're playing like a team. It all works out. Maybe they go out and they go get a big name. I don't know if that's the that's the key because I think that might kind of mess the mojo up a little bit. I think everyone likes the fact that you know all the guys are on the same level; they're all on the same stratosphere as talent and whatnot. Because if they just go out there and they play their game, they're looking good. You feel confident in them. Talked about this the other day on the radio show. Who 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 is the confident team in the NL? Is it the Brewers? Even though they've never been there before, is it the Brewers? Because they seem like the best team. The, the, the ability of playing as a team, they seem like the best team in the NL. I I would agree with you, Nick. Uh, I think that, especially if they can get a pitcher, um, I'd really like that team to come out of the of the National League. But if they can't, they're, they're still in the conversation, of course. Uh, the team they're battling with right now that they're a half game up on is the Chicago Cubs. You look at the the lineup. I think the lineup's fine. You don't need to touch the lineup. I think if you're going to do anything, you need to get another starting pitcher in there. And it, you, if you've been listening for a while, you can tell that starting pitching and pitching in general is kind of a need of a lot of these contending teams. You have John Lester, who's done very well this year, uh, but then after that, it kind of it, it goes downhill uh, a little bit. Hendricks has not been as good as he has been in recent years. Quintana has not been as good as I think people thought he was going to be. Darvish uh, looked like looks like so far a bust, um, and of course he's on the disabled list right now. And then Tyler Chatwood. Uh, their free agent signing, he's he's striking out, I'll say this, he's striking out 8.6 guys per nine innings. That doesn't matter when you're walking 8.1 guys per nine innings. That that number doesn't matter. So I think if, if they can find some way to get a starting pitcher in there, uh, it would help them out a lot. So Lester is kind of showing what he was back in his Red Sox days. Back when they had first acquired him, he was a mess. He was giving up a lot of runs. He wasn't putting his team in positions to win, not to mention he couldn't throw over to first base. Hit a grand slam. I believe was it the other? Did he hit a gram? No, he hit a home run the other day, which I, I don't know how. I mean, the guy bats under like oh oh one, like his, his his overall average, his career average has to be under under ninety, which is incredible that the guy was able to make contact and drive the ball over the wall. But either way, you cannot in any circumstances go from eleven and two to then six and six, five and eight, three and five. That that can't happen. That can't happen. Outside of John Lester, every other starting pitcher on their team has an ERA almost a five. Quintana's at four, four point three one. Hendricks is at four point two seven. Chatwood is at four point five four. That cannot happen, especially at the beginning of the year when the Cubs were striking out an alarming rate. They were going to set like an MLB record for strikeouts at that time, and and we're talking about Anthony Rizzo. We're talking about Ben Zobrist. We're talking about Jason Hayward, Javi Baez. Don't forget everybody's, you know, man crush, Chris Bryant. They were playing horrible. All of them were playing horrible. Now they've kind of, you know, wrote the ship a little bit, and they're, they're starting to get up there. But when you have those guys batting that bad and the runs are constantly coming in from the other team because your starting pitcher outside of Leicester is that bad, 
you're in a world of trouble. The Cubs are lucky that they've been able to have Lester on their team because without him, oh man, they might be one of the worst teams in in the majors. How many how, how many more games would they now be putting guys out there that can't pitch? I don't know if the bats would have ever came around if they didn't have one day to where the guy was going out there and only giving up two runs. You know, there's a lot of questions in this National League, and it definitely starts out with the Cubs because one guy is kind of holding them together right now, and I don't know if it's going to go back to normal. I don't know if the Cubs are going to start to hit rock bottom, and you could say that with a lot of teams. We'll get to the West in a little bit, but the Dodgers were one of those teams at one point. The Giants were one of those teams at one point. The Cardinals are definitely one of those teams right now. That's not good. That's not good that you have that many problems in your team and you don't have any answers and bringing in one or two guys for trade, is it really going to make a difference? Because I don't have any confidence that this team is going to be able to keep that switch on. You know? You bring up the Cardinals. They're the 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 other team in the Central that kind of has a chance to to make the playoffs this year. They're five and a half back in the division, but only two and a half back in the in the wild card race. Um, right now they sit at forty three and forty, so three games above five hundred. Uh, from Nick, your Cardinals fans, you're going to be able to tell the the listeners better than I will. But um, as a non fan, you look at this team. It seems like maybe they could use some help in the infield. Colton Wong has not been very good this year. Jed Jerko. Has has not been you know very good this year. I think that's fair to say. Uh, Dexter Fowler was awful. I know he's an outfielder, but he was not very good either. You look at the starting rotation. Um, I, you look at Luke Weaver. The ERA is is over five, but his FIP is at four point two three. I think that's a better indication of how he's pitched this year. Um, the it's it's a shame that Waka goes on the DL because he's having a solid season. Martinez, he came back from injury. He had a couple of rough starts coming back, especially with his control, but it seems like he's kind of getting that back uh, under control, no pun intended. Flaherty has been very good. Uh, I think l- looking at this team, you know, maybe you, you try to get a bat in there to, to help out the lineup, and uh, if if not a bat, then you know relief pitching never hurts. It always helps to have a, a solid relief pitcher, but... I think the Cardinals have a solid team. Uh, I think it's just a matter of, you know, can they play to their potential? One of the biggest issues going into the season, Ryan, and I I think it was the wrong issue to be looking at, was hitting. They, they, They ignored hitting. They thought that relief pitching was the issue. That's why they can't win baseball games, and they decided to give Holland this big contract, and he had absolutely no time to repair himself. And before his injury, he was terrible. After the injury, he's been Greg Holland. He's been the guy that the Cardinals paid all that money for. But establishing a closer in Bud Norris, having Jordan Hicks come out and throw 103 every pitch, I mean, that's great, but you can't hit the baseball. The team is so bad at hitting, it is unbearable sometimes to watch because I see Miles Michaelis going out there and giving you solid innings. I see Michael Walker going out there and giving solid innings. I see Martinez and Weaver and Flaherty going out there and give solid innings. But you know what? Some of those guys are going to feel the pressure of, oh, crap, if I make one bad pitch and I give up one run, that's the game we're not going to win. That is, that is ridiculous. For any pitcher to have that thought go through their head, thinking that if I give up one pitch and I give up one run, we're going to lose the game. That's been the Cardinals all year. I don't know how Mike Bliss hasn't crumbled under pressure. I don't know how Waka hasn't crumbled under pressure. I don't know how Martinez has crumbled. Weaver has crumbled under pressure a little bit. Weaver has been going out there, and I feel we have no chance of winning, and that's not good. That is not good at all that your pitchers have no confidence in your hitting, and why would they? I wouldn't have any confidence in the Cardinals lineup so far. Would you? Colton Wong. Is probably the best defensive second baseman in all of baseball, but he bats under 200. That doesn't help. You have ba- you have players that come up and down that maybe have a spark for a couple weeks, but they're not able to sustain that. Tommy Pham was batting over 300. Now he's plumbing all the way to 240. Matt Carpenter was having a horrific start to the year. They finally put him in the leadoff spot where he belongs. Not really sure why Mike Matheny keeps doing this every single year. He's going to bat leadoff, and then he doesn't bat him leadoff. They play bad, and everyone wonders why they don't just bat him leadoff. Finally back in leadoff spot. His average is starting to go up again. He's starting to get his doubles up. He's at 24 doubles right now. DeYoung was injured. He's going to have to come back and fix everything so far. Dexter Fowler, I mean, oh my God. This guy is so terrible. I should go out there and take his bats for him. He can just sit on the bench and take the money. I'll go out there and swing for him because he doesn't feel like he's putting out any effort whatsoever. And then you bring in a guy like Marcelo Zuna, and he is definitely not what the Cardinals expected. For where we are right now in the season with 306 at-bats, you need to be giving me more than 10 home runs and 44 RBI. 
that's inexcusable. The one guy that I will say that has played above and beyond is Jose Martinez. Uh, this guy is just going out there, hitting the baseball. He's batting 298. He was over 300 at one point, 13 home runs, 52 RBI. And probably the other most disappointing part, Ryan, would be the fact that Yachty had that horrific injury, and he has 12 home runs. The league right now doesn't have an NL catcher with more home runs than Yachty. But on the Cardinals team alone, there are other guys that have twice as many at-bats as Yachty and only have one or two or more home runs. That's pathetic. That's absolutely pathetic. You cannot win baseball games if you don't score any runs. And the pitching staff, the bullpen, has definitely felt that all year. This Cardinal team needs to get hits, and they are not getting hits. And until they figure out how to muster up some hits, until they start to figure out how to score four or five runs a game, they're going to be sitting on the fence all year, and it's going to be another season of what if. What if they got a bat? What if they did this? I don't know what to do. As a Cardinals fan, I don't know what to do because Fowler has to play with the money he's making. 171, that's his average. Oh, it disgusts me. It absolutely disgusts me. Cardinals on the outside looking in uh, at this point as we have just started play in July. Moving now to the final division in baseball, the NL West. The Diamondbacks currently up one and a half games in that division. They sit at 47-38 as we record this. Uh, Nick, I don't know about you, but as I look at the way this team is constructed, I think more than anything else, they need some offense. I'm interested to know how much of this their struggles have been because of the humidor that was installed at Chase Field over the offseason, but you have Cattell Marte, who is OPSing at 712, Nick Ahmed is at 691, Jake Lamb is at 735, Chris Owings is at 556. It's, I think if this team is going to continue to fend off the Dodgers and try to cement themselves as one of the, the contending teams in the National League, they need to get a bat, and they need to get it quickly. Yeah, when you look at this team, you saw at the beginning of the year that they hadn't lost a series, and you're like, holy crap, the Diamondbacks might be the team to beat. And then they kind of came back down to earth after losing a lot of games and losing the huge lead that they had, not to mention at the time the Dodgers were playing terrible, so it looked like the Diamondbacks were going to walk away with the division. Now things have started to even out, and both of the teams are kind of like on top of each other, not to mention the Giants aren't too far behind as well. And the Diamondbacks have Granke. You know, they have Robbie Ray. They they need to get guys more runs. They need to put guys in better situations to win. I know that a 5 ERA, a 3-4-1, a 3-1-4, and a 4-4-0 isn't the greatest thing in the world, but still, you got to find that bat. I, I don't think there's a feared hitter on this team right now, and that's because Paul Goldschmidt isn't playing very well. He was he started out the year with a horrific open. I think he was batting, what, under 100 for a couple weeks? Now he's kind of gotten back to the Paul Goldschmidt we all know and love. He's batting 274. He's got 85 hits, 18 home runs, 45 RBI. But still, someone else has got to help him out. Someone else has got to be able to shoulder the load a little bit, and they just don't have it. They're missing J.D. Martinez a lot. They really are because he was able to definitely shoulder that load. And it's they need the offense, Nick, because they're trying to, to hold off the Dodgers, who are right now one and a half games back at 45 and 39. The Dodgers have the offense. That's not the issue for the Dodgers. They have guys like Cody Bellinger, Matt Kemp, Jock Peterson, Justin Turner has done all right this year. You have guys on the bench that, especially Max Muncie. Max Muncie has come out of absolutely nowhere to to be one of the most surprising stories in, in all of baseball. The, I think the thing the Dodgers need is it's just some pitching. I think if this Dodgers team gets some pitching, this might you know they could definitely be there in at late October, early November because I think their offense is fine. But I think if they they need at least one pitcher, if not more. The Dodgers have the talent to get into the playoffs, Brian. But to me, I just think they're going to waste it away. I don't have any doubt that they're going to be there at the end of the year pushing for a spot. And if they do get in, congratulations to them. But when your best player on your team turns into a pumpkin every postseason, what are you supposed to do? Like, that's the biggest question right now that, that I would say for the Dodgers. You know, you have Matt Kemp rejuvenating himself back in L.A. You have some of these other guys that are stepping up to the plate and playing well. You, you see that Puig is a little more focused than he was when he had to get sent down and whatnot. And 
all these other guys that are coming out and playing well. But, but overall, the biggest question mark for me is what do the Dodgers do when they get in? What do they do? How do you make Kershaw pitch in the postseason like he does in the regular season? Until you figure that out, you're not doing yourself any good by going to the postseason because he's just going to have the same issues again. You need to have a solution. And I know that right now we're talking about getting in, but with the team they have, they should get in. There shouldn't be any expectation other than getting in. But right now, the big question mark is, what do you do? How do you fix it? You kind of fixed Puig. You rejuvenated Kemp. Now comes the bigger test. How do you get Kershaw to be Kershaw in the playoffs? And speaking of pitching, uh, another California team that really needs help in that aspect is the San Francisco Giants. Now, they have done uh, better than I thought they would. Um, they're currently sitting at 45 and 41. They're only two and a half back in the division and two back in the wild card race. They definitely need a starting pitcher. Right now you have Bumgarner who just came back off the DL. He's made six starts, uh, pitched a 2.58 ERA. Uh, Derek Rodriguez, who is Yvonne Rodriguez's son, has had a very nice start to his career. He's made six starts. He's pitched to a 3.16 ERA and a 3.35 FIP. But after those two, it's, it's a whole lot of nothing. Chris Stratton, uh, has an ERA close to 4.5. Derek Holland, he's he's been an okay back of the rotation arm, as has uh, Andrew Suarez. But I think this team really needs uh, another solid pitcher in that rotation to to kind of stay in the race here as we as we are in uh, July. The Giants, I don't know how, are somehow back in the race. I don't know what they did. I'm not sure how they were able to dig themselves out of that huge hole. But here we are. They have a chance. They need to go do something. It's not like guys were just injured and they're just coming back and that's going to solve all of the issues. There's there's problems. There's a lot of problems. Um, I, I don't know why Sandoval's on the team. <laughs> it still boggles my mind that he is on the team. Uh, but overall, when when you look at what they're going through right now, there's there's not much they can really do. I mean, where, where is the trade market at right now? There is none. There are no free agents out there that you're going to be able to get over. And in times of you know desperation, you you hope that your big guns step up. But Bumgarner's only one guy. He's only one guy. He could go off and he could win X amount of games, but that still puts you in the same situation we were just talking about with the Yankees. What do you do after he pitches that day? I 100% agree. Uh, and to be honest with you, I don't think that the the Giants are going to be there um, as we as we get into August and September. I just it, they get Johnny Cueto coming back soon, but it's I don't think that's enough. The final team in the NL West that I want to talk about, uh, the final team in general, is the Colorado Rockies. It's kind of surprising to see how far this team has fallen. Now they're only five back in the division, four and a half back in the Walker race, but they're a game under 500 at 42 and 43. Uh, the offense has, they've kind of underperformed. Now, they've gotten better as the months have gone on. They've gotten better from April to May to June. But so the, the offense has underperformed, but uh, as it seems like they always do, I think they need pitching. Uh, you have Kyle Freeland, who's been a nice arm for them at 25 years old. The Southpaw has pitched to a 3.25 ERA. But but after him, it's just been a, a whole a whole load of shit. John Gray just got sent down to to the minors to try to reinvent himself and try to get back to where he was uh, at one point, Chad Bettis has not been good. Jeremy Marquez has not been good. And obviously you have to understand that pitching at Coors, your numbers are going to be a little inflated, but but not this much. You can't you can't have them inflated this much. So if the, the Rockies want to, you know, they're they're clinging on right now, I'm going to say, just because the, the division as a whole, you know, it's it's not particularly impressive, but they need pitching if they want to stay in this race. Yeah, and again, this has always been the issue with Colorado is where they are due to the altitude the ball just flies off the bat and we only wonder if they were ever somewhere else you know would they've been able to establish pitchers would Colorado have been a destination choice for pitchers and free agency when they had Matt Holiday and they had that really good Rockies team that ended up going to the World Series like what could have been but overall it's just always seemed to be an issue they're they're still in it though they're, they're still in it you sit there at 42 and 43 you know that you have guys on the offensive side that again whether they are playing at Coors Field or not they're going to give the job done. They're going to put you in a situation to where you can win ball games, but it's always been the same thing every single year. I can't remember a year that we're not talking about if the Rockies had pitching, if the Rockies had pitching with Nolan Arenado, if the Rockies had pitching with LeMahieu, if the Rockies had pitching with Blackman and Story. If 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 
And that's, that's always, always how we're going to be. It's always going to be if the Rockies had pitching. We finally got into the, the fun part of the baseball season now. Nick, you and me are both big baseball fans. We can watch it whenever, but this is, especially for some of the casual fans, when they really start to watch um, in July, the, when things start to mean just a little bit more than they did in uh, the second week of April. Uh, it was a nice baseball discussion. We're going to close this out with uh, some quick soccer talk. Uh, not not uh, too long. Um, we're just going to, you know, quick rapid-fire predictions uh, for you, Nick. Um, so, the quarterfinals are set for the, the World Cup uh, right now. You have Uruguay and France. So we're going to start with that. That is on July 6th at 10 a.m. Eastern Time. Uh, the 57th match, Uruguay defeated Portugal 2-1. to one. France defeated Argentina 43. That's how they got here. Nick, um, who are you going to go with in this matchup? I'm going to go with the team that didn't have their best player get hurt, and that's France. You know, you see Cavani go down during that game against Portugal. It was a big concern. And then the 19-year-old Mbappe for France just looks electric, not to mention they have Griezmann and Pogba and other guys that have stepped up to the plate so far. I, I think France might walk all the way to the final if they don't run into a fully fit Brazil team. But Uruguay, you've had a great run. If you're able to do the unthinkable and not have Cavani at full power and get over the hump of Uruguay, I mean, of France, good, good for you. But I just don't see it happen. I'm going to take the Frenchman over Uruguay. I think um, I, I need to, to preface this with the fact that I am about uh, – I'm not very knowledgeable about soccer, so this is um, – don't take my um, predictions to, to heart. I'm going to go with Uruguay. Um, just I don't know why. I'm just going to go with them. Uh, we're going to go now to – I'm trying to increase my soccer knowledge. Like I actually found my Premier League team that I'm going to start rooting for. I'm going to be an Arsenal guy. I, I decided on that, yeah. I that, It seems like – I asked somebody and they said, "Oh yeah, they're this team that's kind of good, but they've they they have trouble like winning the entire thing." I'm like, okay, that sounds like a team I like, so we're gonna go with them. <laughs> I thought that that would be a good fit, so that's we're gonna start watching them. When is the, the the season starts? What in like August or something? September, October, something? Premier League, yeah. Premier Premier League will will start to to pick up towards the end of the summer, and it's kind of one of those things that. It goes on throughout the majority of football season, and you won't really, really notice it until we get past the football playoff games, and all of a sudden you're like, oh, hey, there's a there's a Premier League game on earlier on a Saturday. Oh, I might watch that. And that's kind of when America really tunes into it. But overall, the, the Premier League definitely has the toughest soccer players. It is, it is the most grueling of all of the soccer leagues across Europe. They have the most physical play out of anybody. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to, to finally watching it this year. I'm going to be up early on Saturday mornings anyway because of school, so uh, that won't be an issue. The other quarterfinal matchup on that side of the bracket, Brazil and Belgium. That is a 2 p.m. Eastern rapid fire. Who are you going with that one? I thought Belgium was going to lose to Japan, Ryan. I really did. I didn't think Mexico had a chance against Brazil, but the better team should prevail here. The better team is Brazil. Will they play like the better team? I don't know. I'm not really sure if Belgium is going to be able to carry those last two goals into this match against Brazil. Because if they play like they did the first 70 minutes against Japan, against Brazil at all, they're going to get blown out of the water. Neymar or not, they're going to get blown out of the water. I'm going to go with Belgium. I don't know why. Moving on now to the, the next day. He's picking against me. <laughs> it's, 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 it, all right. We'll see if it continues. Russia, Croatia, July 7th, 2 p.m. I'm going with Croatia. Who are you going with? I'm going with Croatia as well. Right. You know, Russia was able to carry... Um, that home crowd against Spain into the penalty kicks and they were able to win. Good for them. You know, home country getting a W, carrying into the next final. You know, quarterfinals is great. But Croatia is just a much better team. I think they're not going to go to penalties. I think this should be an easy win for Croatia. And the final game, 10 a.m. Eastern on the 7th, Sweden, England. I'm going to go with England here. Got to bring, bring it home. Uh, who are you going with? Again, how can you pick against the English They've been talking about this for years. If only they could play like they are on paper, and that's what you know they were able to get past Colombia, even though it was by the skin of their teeth. That might be the win that propels England to play like the champions a lot of people expect them to be. I don't know what Sweden's going to bring to the table. Didn't really catch the game against Switzerland, but England on paper has the much better team, and they should be able to advance past Sweden. Well, thank you, Nick, for coming on to the Ryan Water Sports Podcast. This has been fun, and I'm looking forward to getting you on here again real soon. Definitely uh, over the summer, get you on some more times, talk some football, especially preseason starting up soon, just talk baseball, anything really. Looking forward to getting you back on. Thanks again, Nick. 
Uh, Ryan, I appreciate it. I'm surprised we didn't talk that NASCAR. I know you really enjoy talking about that when we were on the radio show with Matt. But overall, this was a fantastic experience. Hope you guys enjoy listening to Ryan's podcast. I listened to the first one. It was really good. It was really good. So I hope you guys stick around, enjoy, listen, and, and, and be sure to watch some Premier League soccer as Ryan tunes in through those early Saturday mornings as well. All right, and that was part two of my interview with Nick Halper. I hope you guys enjoyed it. We're definitely going to get him on the podcast more, especially uh, as I go back to school. It'll be easier because he lives right near the uh, right near the school I go to, so it'll be easy to get him on the podcast and talk about some more stuff, give his analysis. So I hope you enjoyed his two-part interview. I know I did talking sports with him for two hours. It was it was a lot of fun. And this will about do it for the July 5th episode of the Ryan Waldis Sports Podcast. We will be back tomorrow, Friday, July 6th, with a brand new podcast. It will be just myself, uh, more likely than not. As a reminder, you can catch the Ryan Waldis Sports Podcast on a lot of different services now. Anchor, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Breaker, and a lot more. Be sure to go to my Anchor page, anchor.fm slash Ryan Waldis Sports Podcast. For the latest updates on where you can catch the Ryan Waldis Sports Podcast, you can also visit my website at ryanwaldis.com and connect with me on social media at Ryan Waldis, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, wherever you can connect with me. So I want to thank you all again for listening to the July 5th edition of the Ryan Waldis Sports Podcast, and I'll catch you tomorrow. Thanks for listening. I don't know if he's going to make it through an inning because of how bad he's pitched. And now we all know that the postseason is 10 times harder than the regular season. So if you are not on, you're going to get shelled. And you, as the Yankees, you can't afford that. You're striking out as much as you hit home runs. That could be the night. That could be the game that swings it. And that's not something that they can take a chance with. Because right now it's post, it's not postseason or bust. It's World Series ring or bust. And when you have so many question marks behind one guy – you cannot be sitting comfortably right now. No matter how many wins they pile up, Ryan, no matter how many runs that they, you know, outscore the other team by, at the end of the day, every Yankee fan should be sitting there going, so Severino pitches game one, and then what do we do game two? I've been wrong about these things before, which is pretty surprising because I'm not wrong about a lot of things, Nick, but it's it's hard for me to see the Yankees uh, representing the American League in the postseason. And the cool thing about the the baseball postseason especially is that you never really know what's going to happen. There's just so many things that can happen. So as I said, uh, it's not often that I'm wrong. I'm usually 100% right about every single thing, but it's just hard for me to see the the Yankees representing the American League as they're constructed right now. Could they get there if they add a pitcher? I could see it then. If they get one pitcher to throw in the front of that rotation, I could see it. But as of right now, I agree with you. Uh, Boston is the team to beat in the American League East, and they might very well be the team to beat in the American League. Yeah, I, I think, you know, that that's not too far-fetched to say. Overall, when you look at all the teams and what they have available at their disposal, Boston right now is sitting comfortable. Even though they're not the defending World Series champions, they're sitting comfortable right now. So we move to the American League Central, uh, which is a joke. Cleveland is 46-37, and 37, the second-place team. And I thought it was funny because Fox tweeted out a graphic of the top two teams in each division, you see like all these great divisional races, like, oh, wow, the Yankees are one game out, or, oh, look at the Cubs, they're only half a game out. It's like, oh, look at the Tigers, they're nine games out of the Central, and they're under 500. So I thought that was, I, I thought that was funny. The Indians, 46 and 37, they're 10 games up. Um, it's They're going to win the division, no doubt about it. It's just a matter of when. Uh, so you look at this Cleveland Indians team, the way it's constructed, uh, I think they could definitely use maybe a couple bats. Jason Kipnis has really underperformed this year. Um, Bradley Zimmer, he was he was kind of the guy in the outfield for a while, uh, and then he was kind of underperforming. Brandon Geyer uh, is underperforming as well, so I think they could definitely use at least one bat, if not more. But the big need with this team, uh, more than anything else, they need some help in the bullpen. Uh, they've needed some help in the bullpen since the season started. So I think if the Indians, uh, if they're going to try to make a run at anything this year, they got to get some bullpen help somehow. 
It's happened the past couple of years, Ryan, to where this team kind of just turns it on towards the end and all of a sudden has all of their top-tier guys playing like top-tier guys until the season comes to an end. I think if Miller's able to come back from injury, I think if Kluber's able to be the guy that everyone expects him to be, and not to mention the lineup, which does have the ability to score runs at a high clip when it wants to, you're looking at a dangerous team. I don't care what your regular season record says. Once you get into the playoffs, everything is wiped away, and we've seen the Indians, when they want to, if they're playing their best baseball, not many teams can beat them. And I think that's the case right now is they're benefiting right now from a very weak central. The fact that they have so many injuries, I don't think many teams would be able to keep up. And that's the truth. You put them in any other division, they're not keeping up with anybody. Right now, the Mariners are the wild card team. They are second in their own division behind the Astros. They have 54 wins. That's eight more wins than the Indians. That's the same amount of games that the Indians are ahead of the Tigers. So when you sit there and think about it, yeah, they're not having the best regular season in the world, but that doesn't matter because all they care about is getting in, and then once they get in, they're going to put the big boy pants on like they've done the past two years, and they're going to show everybody, hey, we're a team to be reckoned with in the playoffs. I, I would say that they just have to get hot. Moves should should be thought about. If the right move is available, make it. But don't stretch yourself thin to do something you know, radical and all of a sudden play for one year and not set yourself up for multiple years to come. That's not what you want to do. I want to talk about the, the wild card um, a little bit later on uh, because I think that the way they handle that now is a joke. But, uh, yeah, I, I would agree with you. Uh, it's a shame, too, because you look at their starting rotation. Kluber, once again, has been elite. But Trevor Bauer has been a Cy Young candidate. He has a 2.45 ERA, a 2.19 FIP. So they got the, the guys in the rotation – uh, to to do some damage, just can that bullpen kind of come back to, to form? As you mentioned, when Andrew Miller comes off the DL, can he do a little better than he was before he hit the disabled list? Can some of these guys on offense start playing like you've kind of come to expect them to? Uh, it's it's a big question, but as you said, they're gonna you know we they're just worried about you know getting through this regular season, and then as you said, anything could happen in the postseason. Move now to the American League West. Uh, it's a lot more competitive than people thought it was going to be. Uh, and it's not really between the two teams that people thought it was going to be at the beginning of the year. Houston, right now, 55 and 31. They are half a game up uh, on second place. Uh, we take a look at their team. Catcher uh, is, I'd say, kind of a question mark. They have Brian McCann, but he's OPSing just a couple ticks above 600. They have Max Stassi, the 27 year old. Who's, who's done well. Um, they've kind of split the reps. McCann at this point has played 50 games. Stassi's played 48. Um, Stassi right now, he's slashing 255, 335, 482. He has seven home runs to his name. Um, so it, maybe uh, the one they, they don't need pitching at this point. That, that's abundantly clear unless you want to maybe add a bullpen piece, but that's kind of stretching it a little bit. I think if anything, this team could maybe use a bat. Um, Josh Reddick, he, he's... He's played in 63 games. He has 229 plate appearances. Jake Marisnik, uh has 159 plate appearances. He is OPSing below 600. He's hitting below the Mendoza line. So I think if anything, Houston, they, they're obviously an elite team at this point coming off a title. Uh, if nothing else, maybe just like a, a bat to add in that lineup somewhere because pitching-wise, I think they're good. No, yeah, I, I would say that you feel comfortable no matter who it is. You could throw all their names in a hat and pick one out, and you're not sitting there going, oh, crap. You're sitting there going, oh, yeah, we got a chance to win tonight. And outside of Keuchel just having an iffy year so far, I mean, if you went out there and you told me, who do I want to face on the Astros lineup? I don't. I don't, I don't want to. I don't want to face Verlander. I don't want to face Garrett Cole. I don't want to face Keuchel. They're, I just don't. And then the lineup, I mean, you've got Altuve. He's a hitting machine. You got, you know, you mentioned Reddick. You mentioned some of the other guys, Springer and all. This is not the Astros team that we were talking about back in the NL Central. This is the Astros team that everyone thought, man, what would it be if this team was lights out amazing? And now are the lights out amazing? I mean, they're two wins away from having the best record in the majors behind the Red Sox. They're the defending champs for a reason. What more can you say? They're playing like defending champs. Now, the team they're battling with, Nick, has been uh, extremely surprising, and that's an understatement. Seattle has found themselves at 54-31, and 31, as we said, just half a game back. Uh, as we record this, they're on a seven-game winning streak, 
And they've done this without their second baseman in, in Robinson Cano, who had to go on the, on the disabled list, but he was also suspended 80 games. That came out of absolutely nowhere. Nobody expected that. They've done it uh, on the back of what's been kind of a weak lineup. They've had Gene Segura, who is OPSing at 837. They have Mitch Hanniger, who I don't think gets enough recognition around the entire league. He's OPSing at 852. He has 17 home runs, which is second on the team. Nelson Cruz, even at 37 years of age, is still getting it done. He has 21 home runs. He's getting on base at a 356 clip. Uh, you look at their rotation, though. I think if you're going to improve for Seattle, you got you got to try to get some pitchers in there. You have Paxton, who's been a very reliable arm for you this year. But then you have Felix Hernandez, who it's clear that age has caught up to him. He's not the same pitcher he once was, which is a shame. Mike Leake, I think at this point, he's, a, he's kind of like a glorified innings eater, if nothing else. Marco Gonzalez, he started off well, but he's since come back down to earth. Wade LeBlanc has had a nice season. Uh, he's a start 11 games. He's appeared in 16, but he's nothing more than a back-end piece. They have a couple nice bullpen pieces, a few nice bullpen pieces in Edwin Diaz, uh, James Pazos, Jason Bradford, Nick Vincent. They have they have the bullpen, I suppose, but I think if you add maybe another starter to that rotation, uh, I think this team will be be pretty solid. Ryan, we have been waiting for quite some time now. I can't remember when it began, but I would always hear the rumblings when February came around. Watch out for the Mariners. They're coming this year. And every year it was the same thing of expectations were high and disappointment was the reality. And expectations were high and disappointment was the reality. And this time around, expectations were not that high. The Mariners were like, yeah, maybe. And now they're playing really, really well. I just hope that they're able to continue this and play through an entire season. I would really like to see Felix get a chance to actually compete for a World Series. He's due. He's not. He's definitely not the pitcher that he was when he won the Cy Young, but he's definitely due. Overall, I think this team has a chance if they're continuing this hot streak. Maybe the Cano thing sparked them. Maybe when he comes back, they can continue. I'm not really sure what it was. They're on fire. I know that they have the best record for one-run games, whether you call that luck or whether you just call that being able to grind out tough wins. 